to more Sports Now podcast. We cover both sides of the Hudson. I'm Steve Titchener in our Jersey studio, alongside veteran sportscaster Matt Lachlan. We have our own John McAlevey on the line, and today we have a very special guest and Jersey lifer, CBS play-by-play announcer, Andrew Catalan. Andrew, thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Always great hearing from you. Hope you're having a great summer. Been good so far. No question. We certainly are. We certainly are. And I guess, Andrew, we should start at the beginning. Uh, I know you and I have never met, but we do have much in common. Um, we both grew up on the mean streets of Short Hills, New Jersey, and <laughs> gradu- right, graduated from Milburn High School. And on top of that, our mothers got to know each other teaching in the, the Milburn school systems. And I'd be remiss if I did not send a shout out. Thank you to your mom for sort of pulling this all together for us. Well, it's great joining you, John. I mean, you guys got a great thing going. I think we've done this one time before, and uh, <laughs> I'm glad to be back. And anytime there's a Jersey connection, I'm all in. Absolutely. And let's start with Milburn. Uh, I ran into an old friend of mine and yours, the Recreation Department Supervisor, Neil Healy, who told me he was there when you really got your start in, in broadcasting, sitting up in the booth at Milburn High School on Sundays doing play-by-play or down in distance for youth football games. Do you remember those days? Yeah, absolutely. That was really the first time I was behind a microphone. I was, uh, gosh, I must have been maybe a freshman or sophomore in high school. And every Sunday afternoon, they would have the Pop Warner games at Milburn High School. And I was the PA announcer. And it was Neil Healy that that gave me that uh, opportunity, which I'm very thankful for. And I do remember... You know, I'd be calling, just as you said, down in distance, who made the tackle. But I, I brought a little radio with me every Sunday so that I could listen to WFAN and provide NFL updates uh, during, the, you know, during the Milburn Arrows game. So, you know, <laughs> tackle made by Smith. By the way, breaking news in East Rutherford, the Giants just kicked a field goal. So I don't know how many people really cared about that because that's not the reason they were there. But I, I found it important to do and uh, – still get a chuckle out of it today i'm sure there were plenty of fathers that were uh you know had one eye on uh their tvs back at home so they were pretty happy to have all that (laughs) but do you think that that may have been around the time that you realized like a lot of us that playing on sundays was not going to be in the cards and that perhaps if you wanted to stay involved in sports that a career uh in sports media was maybe in your future no question. I think I figured that out pretty early as, uh, you know, I still play golf. I know Matt, you, you play a lot as well. And, um, you know, that, that's kind of the extent of my athletic ability these days. But I realized even earlier that, uh, you know, I wasn't going to be playing shortstop for the Yankees and certainly had a passion for, uh, for sports and wanted to stay involved in any way that I could. And, and as many of us have decided this was the, the path to do that. So, um, yeah, I figured it out pretty early. I was lucky. I know a lot of people go away to college and they still don't even know what they want to do when they graduate. I'm, I'm fortunate that I was in the minority on that and that I, I kind of knew what I wanted to do from an early age. You know, you mentioned uh, that that first opportunity, if you will, uh, behind the microphone. By the way, just as an aside, uh, my wife said to me the other day, Lord knows I love Maggie with all of my heart, but she said to me, <laughs> you play golf so much. 
aren't you supposed to get significantly better at something you do on a regular basis? I said, you just don't understand the game. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, yeah, it, it is a frustrating game, but I do play it a lot and I should be better, but that's a story for another day. But at any rate, what was then the first real break you had? You said you decided you wanted to get involved. You go to Syracuse. You're one of the many who have made their mark in this field uh, via Syracuse. You know, who were the early influences? Who were the ones that really kind of got you on this professional track, if you will? Yeah, so, you know, really, when I think back to my time at Syracuse, there were two big things there, the school, the program, but also the student radio station there, WAER, which I so I called a lot of games, um, you know, in college, football, basketball, and men's lacrosse. And, and that was really what what excited me a, a lot about being at Syracuse was the opportunity to call these games. But uh, I had a professor there who uh, was a former news director in the business and local TV. And when I graduated, he said, Hey, you know, I think you, I got a friend who works up in Vermont. He's a news director. And, you know, I think that you'd be, um, you'd be a good fit to be a sports anchor up there. And I was, you know, when you graduate, you'll take anything. I'll go anywhere. So I said, sure. So I sent a resume tape out and in that one tape, I got the job offer over the phone to be the uh, sports anchor at the ABC affiliate in Burlington, Vermont. And then coincidentally, my second job, my professor also had a, an in and helped me out. So you know, I think, as you know, as you guys know, a, a lot of this business is being in the right place at the right time and knowing the right people. And, and in my first two jobs, it was directly a result, I feel, of a professor at Syracuse that liked me and, and, and gave me a chance uh, and networked for me. So uh, I, I owe Dow Smith a big uh, a big thank you um, for getting my career started. Well, it's, it's a wonderful story, but it also points out what I tell anyone who asks me. I'm a Seton Hall guy. A lot of people in the business have come through WSOU and their communications program. But when I speak with the students who are undergrads, it's exact. There also had to be something besides he liked you. He had to see the work ethic. He had to see the talent, obviously. Somebody will give you a break because everyone has received a break, but they've got to see more than I would like to do this. Everybody would like to do this. You've got to show a little bit more passion than just showing up and saying, boy, I would love to be the next Andrew Catalan, the next Matt Lachlan, the next Ian Eagle. I completely agree. And, and that's why I think that, look, I bleed Syracuse orange. I love Syracuse, but I think that no matter where you go, there's opportunities to make it in this business. Absolutely. You don't have to go to Syracuse or Northwestern or you have to make your own opportunities. A big part of my college time, I mentioned the radio station, but I did a number of internships from WFAN to calling minor league baseball games for the Auburn double days one summer. And it's it's making the most of your opportunities when you're in college and meeting the people. And as you said, Matt, showing them uh, that you work hard and that you're a good person. Because I, I, I also believe that good people, good things happen to good people. And nobody in this business wants to work with a bad guy. Uh, I, I just see that more and more. I think that's that's been a change. I think maybe that maybe 10, 15 years ago, um, it wasn't as much. If you were really good, you were probably going to find your way to a job no matter what. I feel like that's changing. I feel like you know a lot of people don't want to deal with an ego or an attitude, and, and, and I'm glad to see that because I don't want to deal with it either. So I think a lot of what you said is very true, and, and it's, it's about making the most of your chances when presented them, especially when you're younger in college and right out of school. 
Andrew, I'll further the Milburn connection. So my wife teaches at Glenwood. So I have to ask, are you a Glenwood product? No, no, that was on the other side. Okay. I was, I'm a Deerfield guy. So okay. uh, a lot of friends from Glenwood, <laughs> but um, but it was a different elementary school. All right, let's go. Uh, let's get into some local football. You know, uh, we're gearing up and you're an NFL guy. So let's talk Giants, Jets, and I'll just throw it out to you, Andrew. Who has more wins this season? I'm going to go with the Jets. I really like what they've done. Uh, it's hard not to. And, and I'm a big fan of Adam Gase. I did a number of Dolphins games the last few years. And, you know, I, I understand, you know, when with the press conference and, and his eyes, that was a big deal. And, you know, he has the beard and he wears the hat down low. None of that matters to me. And it shouldn't matter to Jets fans because this guy loves football. I think he's very smart at what he does. And he's going to take that offense, and, and I think he's going to make Sam Darnold a star. If, he, if, if you don't think Darnold's a star already, I do. I think Sam's on that path. Um, and then Greg Williams, defensively, um, is a great coach. Uh, again, say what you want about him, but, but he knows how to coach defense. And they've got some studs on that side of the football. So I really like what the Jets have done. Obviously, the offensive line, to me, is, is a big deal. Did they take enough did they make enough strides in putting that together? What is Le'Veon Bell going to give you, having not played a year ago? Yeah, there's questions, but every team there's questions. You look up and down the NFL, and, and every team has some questions. But I really like the direction the Jets are going in, and I think that they're a they're a they're an eight nine win team, and you know maybe get lucky and, and, and can sneak into the playoffs if everything goes well. Maybe they're a year away, but but either way, to me, they're on the right path. So that doesn't bode well for the Giants, then. If, if no, I, I've got I've got some questions about them. Um, I think a lot of people do. I, I just I don't know how this quarterback situation is going to play out. I, um, I don't think any of us do. I, I think that you know they, everyone talked about the Chiefs model of Patrick Mahomes sitting behind Alex Smith, but. I think Patrick Mahomes was a special talent, and Alex Smith was still playing really good football that, that year that Mahomes kind of redshirted, if you will. And and there's questions about if Eli can play to that Alex Smith level, uh, especially with the weapons around him now. I mean, um, you know, the, the receiver position with Shepard having missed all the summer and Tate now suspended, and as we know, Beckham traded. Uh, I just I need to see people emerge, and, and, the, and the issue for me especially is if they struggle early, then what do they do? If they're 2-5, and five, who's the quarterback uh, week 8? Um, I think they're going to get a lot of those questions. And, and, and Eli could be playing brilliant football, but again, if you're 2-5, and five, who who's your quarterback week eight? Um, I think that it, I think if they win early, they, they they could have some success. But at the same time, I think it could get away from them if they if they lose early, and that that's kind of what I worry about. No doubt, no doubt. And Andrew, aside from your working NFL and NCAA men's Division One basketball, college football, you've also been involved in calling Olympic games through the years such great things as team handball and curling I've read here. Is there one event or sport that you have not yet had the opportunity to call that uh, is really a burning desire for you? You know, it's funny because the sport that I love growing up in New Jersey is very near and dear to Matt's heart. And that's the, that's hockey and the devils. And I think that is the most challenging sport to announce. Um, I am constantly, uh, awed by Doc Emmerich, Matt, 
uh, all these guys are able to call hockey at such a high level. Um, it, it's amazing to me. I think by far the, the hardest sport to call. So I, I've only called one hockey game in my life. It was a high school all-star game probably about 10 years ago. And, and I loved it, but I also came away even thinking how much more difficult it is to call hockey. So it's really the one that I haven't, I haven't done a lot of. I only done that one game. And, um, Maybe down the road, I'd love to try it again some other time, but uh, it's going to take a lot of work to uh, to get up to speed because it's just so difficult. Well, there's plenty of time left in your career. You're still young. You've got a terrific career arc, so there's no need to fill in the blank, so to speak. But yeah, there might be an opportunity for you to hop on board the fastest game uh, on earth for sure. So let me ask you, I want to go back to the Giants a little bit again. In your estimation, what has happened to this franchise because it has shocked me. Now, those who know Giants history realize that before George Young came on board, the Giants were a mess. Season ticket holder uprising, burning their tickets, planes flying messages over the stadium, lamenting how poorly run and and the lack of victories, all that sort of stuff. But then George Young comes on board and now they are viewed as the model franchise. And now going back to your point about the quarterback situation, John Mara says one thing. Dave Gettleman, when he does speak, seems to indicate another thing. Pat Shermer, and I understand he's got to support his guys, so he's saying a third thing. I I don't know what's going on in the headquarters. At one point, they were the model franchise, not only in football, maybe in sports, and now they just seem to be in such disarray. It's disappointing to me uh, because I don't understand the game plan. Yeah, I don't think you're alone either, Matt. Um, I kind of share some of that sentiment, and and just to be honest with everyone, I grew up a Giants fan. I mean, that was the, that was the Somehow team that was I really knew that. in my house. I kind of knew that based on the fact you gave a Giants score back from the Milburn <laughs> press right. box. That was, that, was, that was an early indication that I, uh, it's a good pickup there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, it's just, it's very different. And, you know, when I was in local TV in Albany, we used to cover Giants training. I was there every day for Giants training camp. And you'd see, even before John Mara, you see Wellington Mara out there on a stool. And it just seems like they always had the same message. It was, there was nothing, nothing wavered um, from Wellington Mara to John Mara. Uh, to Tom Coughlin, uh, the message was always the same. Uh, 10 years ago, five years ago, and now it's, it's changed. Um, and I just, I just, again, really wonder how this, it just doesn't seem to me that the quarterback situation, unless the Giants are six and one is going to end well, because I think Eli Manning can still play some football, but if the Giants aren't winning games, to me, then why is he the quarterback for the second half of the season? I mean, mm-hmm. you invested so much in Daniel Jones, and if you're not winning, you need to get him reps. You need to get him experience. You need to try to set yourself up for next year. And it just doesn't seem to me like that it's going to be a, a, a smooth transition um, this year. And, and I hope it is because I think the world of Eli Manning, uh, I, I've, I've, I have great respect for him as a player, as a person, what he's done in the community. As you guys know, he's always out there um, representing the Giants in the way that they should be represented. But in this instance, it just seems to me like it might be a little sticky here this year. We're speaking with Andrew Catalan from CBS. And 
Andrew, let's talk some golf. Now, I, I went to uh, Augusta in 2001. It was the Tiger Slam. He'd won his fourth in a row, the last three of 2000 and the first of 2001. And it was just such an amazing experience. I know a lot of people don't get a chance to go to Augusta. I know now, are you uh, are you a regular crew with Augusta? You, uh, you, you, you cover the Masters as well. Yeah, so for the, uh, the last nine years, I've been a part of the feature wow. group coverage uh, mm -hmm. at the Masters, which um, you know is digital, online. Uh, people watch a lot on their iPad when they're at work, uh, Thursday and Friday. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of uh, work hours go down those first two rounds of uh, of the Masters <laughs> tournament every year. Um, but you're right; it's it's an incredible place. Um, it never gets old going there. It's such a special golf tournament, um, and you can just feel the history and the tradition as soon as you walk on the grounds. You feel like you're in a different place. Um, it's just so magnificent, and obviously this year was uh, extra yeah. special with the way it turned out. Right. So, so tell us, I mean, with Tiger winning, I mean, what what uh, what was the experience there? It must have been extra special, really. Yeah, you know, it's funny because um, – as you know, when you have a, a big moment in sports, to me, the best thing that you should do is lay out. Just get out of the way. Mm -hmm. Let it breathe and just soak it in. And um, that's kind of my mentality as a play-by-play -play guy, that less is more. Um, mm -hmm. We want to hear and see the reaction. And there's nothing that I could say that could, could top a, a championship moment, right? So when he won uh, and he's you know walking up with his – kids and and he's going to sign a scorecard i didn't say anything but i wasn't thinking let it breathe i was just speechless i, I really i was almost like transfixed just a, what are we seeing here it was so incredible um and look the, the, his journey well documented we all know it but that is an unreal comeback story no matter how you want to cut it for a guy that had all these this back problems and then you know couldn't swing a club and Nobody knew if they'd ever see him play golf again, let alone win a major. Um, so I'm watching him with his son as a fan. And, and again, just didn't have anything I could say. I, I didn't know how to put it into context, which is probably a good thing because I wanted, didn't want to say anything anyway. Um, but, but, you know, it was just really a remarkable sight seeing him going to sign his scorecard. I don't think a lot of fans, will, sports fans, not just golf fans, will ever forget that. Well, you made the same no you made the same call your colleague Jim Nance did because he just let the moment alone as well. So it was probably the right. That's the call. That's yeah. I mean, again, I think you, you make a call. I think I I think uh, come back complete or or mm -hmm. something along those lines, and then you just get out of the way because no one wants to hear me at that point when you can hear Tiger yelling. I mean, that that's to me that's that's broadcasting 101 just let it breathe and less is more yeah less is more you know andrew a lot of folks when they tune in to uh watch uh you calling a game or to any announcer calling a game they don't know all the preparation behind the scenes that goes on to get you ready for something like that i see that week one you and james lofton have the ravens and the dolphins take us through you know a week of preparation that leads you into an nfl sunday yeah, it's, it's a great question, and as, and as you guys know, it's uh, 
for me, football is, is by far the, the, the toughest prep, if you will, just because of the number of players on the team. I mean, compared to I do a lot of college basketball, I'm talking about eight guys on the team. It doesn't take me too long to, to dive into that. But when you have a 106 players you have to prepare for, and the other thing, too, is there's just so much, there's, there's so much um, volume of information out there that you have to try to sift through to find nuggets and, and stats that, you know, aren't common place to everyone so it's really a deep dive I'll, I'll start on uh, on Monday um, and watch their previous two games obviously week one's a little different but I'll, if it's just you know week two let's say I'll, I'll spend my Monday watching the two teams play uh, their games the week before because I want to you know be up to the storylines and, and, and know what happened in their games with my own eyes and then by Tuesday I still handwrite all of my boards so I know a lot of people use a computer program but I'm I've got the uh, the colored pens and markers and I'll write down every guy's name on a big manila folder and and then the rest of the week Wednesday and Thursday I'll I'll be filling it in with information from the teams, things that I read, things that I see, um, just trying to, to to fill up my board and then on Friday we typically travel to the to the game site, we watch practice Friday, meet with the the home team on Friday, and on Saturday when the away team arrives in the afternoon, we'll go to their hotel and meet with the away team, talk to the head coach, quarterback, and about three other players. And then Sunday's the game, come home Sunday night and start it all over again on Monday. So um, it's a lot for football, but I love it. I mean, to me, prepping for the game is almost as fun as the game. Um, I, I love just diving in, trying to find little things that, that you don't read too much about. And it's it's more than stats. It's telling stories. I think deep down, a lot of us, Matt, I know you're the same way. You, you want to tell stories. You want to try to, you know, put a, you know, give a personality to a player so it's not just a helmet. And uh, I think in the NFL, um, there's so many stories that go untold because we're just there's not enough time. It's, you know, it's second and ten, and then by the time the replay goes, it's third and three, and they're snapping the football. So the ability to find those stories and weave them in is always a challenge, but it's, it's, a, it's a really uh, fun part of my week every week. And how long, how long do you think it takes you, and Matt, you could answer this as well, to, to develop, you know, sort of a cohesion uh, with your partner, you know, the guy doing the color commentary. How, how, how long does that take to, to put a nice, uh, you know, grouping together where you're comfortable and you're really finishing each other's sentences almost? That's a really underrated part of, of being a team in broadcasting, um, something I don't take for granted. For college basketball, I do 30 games a year and Steve Lapis sits next to me for every single one of them. And yeah. when we, when we get to the tournament, um, you know, he knows what I'm going to say and I know what he's going to do. And, and that's huge. And now this will be the third year for James and I, and, you know, being candid the first year was a feeling out process. Um, you know, he didn't know much about me. I didn't know much about him. I did his audition at CBS, but other than that, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't really know him at all. And um, that first year was, you know, it took took a while to kind of, you know, figure out what he likes, what he doesn't like, where I can go and where I can't go. And, and I think there was a big difference in year two in terms of our chemistry. And now this year, I'm really excited for uh, for week one. So, uh, Matt, you can you can I'm sure you feel the same way. It's, it, it's very underrated uh, to have the same partner over and over, year in year out. It makes a huge difference in my perspective. Well, it certainly does, and you also have to have that level of trust, right, Andrew? Like, it, it's not just getting to know the person as vitally important as that is, but 
you want to believe that he or she, because I worked for a long time with Sherry Ross, but you want to believe that they are putting in the same amount of time that you are. They have as much interest in the best broadcast possible. And that work level has to be there. But then also you have to understand you're not going to hang me out to dry. I'm not going to hang you out to dry. It just takes a while to develop that elusive chemistry. But I think as long as you have a partner who's willing to work and then will listen to you, you know, you this is what, your 10th year at CBS now? Yeah, 10th year. Time flies, man. But I for know. James, you know, this is his third year working with you. So, you know, yeah, he played. So you value his input and opinion as to what's going on on the field, but he's got to, and I'm sure he has based on what I've seen and what you're saying, he has to value your input as to how he could be a better pro in terms of what he brings to the booth. So, uh, yeah, trust is important and, and, and yeah, it's really good to work with somebody. I don't know how guys who bounce around and have different partners on a regular basis survive. It's just very, very difficult. I completely agree. I, I mean, to, to do a, a college game twice a week, every week. I mean, Steve Lapis and I have, I mean, have done over 200 games together, which, you know, for you, you're doing, you're doing every Devils game and, and you guys getting a good group. But in college hoops, when you're not with the same team and it's just, you know, a game or two a week, it, it's kind of rare to be with that, you know, to do that many games with one person. And, you know, a big thing, too, in ter- terms of trust is the rules. Uh, you need to know, especially in the NFL, you know, that your partner is up on the rules and that you guys aren't, as you said, aren't going to lay, lay, uh, let them out to dry because you could with the rules. And, yeah, I know. It's a great question, John, and it's certainly a big part of broadcasting. How far out do you get? Along those lines, and I'll squeak one more in here, uh, with all due respect to the many color commentary guys that you've worked with and gals, uh, over the years, is there one, you know, maybe from your youth, would there one be one guy that you would love to call a certain game sitting next to you at some point? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I did get to do a game with Bill Raftery and that was kind of on my bucket list. Uh, uh that's um, a classic. Yeah. So that was, that was really cool. That was, that was one that I was really hoping for and just the schedule didn't break down uh, the first few years I was doing college hoops at CBS, but we did a game a couple of years, a couple of seasons ago. Uh, and it was really a blast. So I've had some great partners. I did golf for the first time on the, on the, on the main channel this year at CBS. So I worked with Nick Faldo. Um, Steve Lapis has become a great friend of mine. Uh, I've done games with Reggie Miller, Lindsay Davenport, um, so I've been really lucky, but I'd say I, I did have that. Oh, when am I going to do that game with, with Raph and, and finally got that chance. And that was, that was huge. Outstanding. No, what a great guy. And, and, and he is, I think he is the kind of person that everyone would want to work with. He wants to make you better. He's got an ego. I love Billy. He's, he's a dear friend. Because you have to, to be in our business, to be as successful as you are. But you wouldn't know it as he walks in the room. He includes everyone. He welcomes everyone into the circle. He just wants to have some fun. And as they say, he's a guy who gets it. And that must have been a great joy because I I had so much fun working with him back way back in the day when I was covering the Nets. Uh, It was just it was the, the laughs sometimes were on the court. 
because of their inability to play a winning brand of basketball until Chuck Daly came along. <laughs> but there were certainly laughs uh, on the plane and in the hotel and uh, on the road with Billy. Just a great guy. Well, I think there's something to be said for a, uh, a person who's the same on the air and off the air. Yeah. I think a lot of times you see people change a little bit when they're off the air and, and they're different. He's He is exactly how he is off the air as he is on the air. And that is why I think he's in the, you know, he's in the hall of fame and then he's a really special guy as you, as you guys know. So he, he's, he's something else. One of a kind. No, he is. Hey, how was it up in the tower with Sir Nick? It was great. You know, it was probably the, the most challenging thing I've ever done in, in broadcasting in the sense that you never really, you never really announce a sport where there's five other announcers um, on the same telecast and everyone was assigned a different hole or holes, and you've got people walking on the course, Dottie Pepper, Peter Costas, and, um, you know, the communication in your ear is, is so unique to, you know, because when I'm doing the feature group at, say, the Masters or the PGA Championship, it's just me and one other person, we're sitting in a booth, and we're calling one group. Well, now you've got, you know, 156 golfers spread out all over the golf course and knowing when it's your turn to call the hole or call the shot and when it's someone else's turn and if there's someone walking with them, you know, I I really never heard that traffic before, uh, if you will. So uh, it was a great experience. Went well, we had a a great finish. It was the 3M Open in Minnesota. Matthew Wolf made an eagle on the 72nd hole to win his first PGA Tour event. So um, that was really a great finish. And uh, I enjoyed it. I hope to do some more golf down the road uh, uh, because as I play it, not any good at it, as as we talked about before, but uh, it's a really fun sport to be around. A couple of things, and, and then I'll step aside and let you know Steve and John wrap things up as we near the end. I was going to ask you, and so I'm going to now now ask you, uh, how, how far out do you get your assignments? Like, Do you know what you're going to do the rest of the NFL season? No, no. We, we, we have our first three weeks worth of games, and then typically we find out about two to three weeks in advance where we're going. So uh, college basketball is a little different. I usually can – can pretty much lay out my season um, in November and, and and have an idea of where I'm going to be and what I'm going to do. But NFL is totally different. In fact, you know, week 17, last week of the season, we don't find out till six days before because the NFL doesn't set the week 17 schedule till they see, you know. Uh, division results and, and how they want to lay it out. Sometimes they have to put a, even an East coast game at four o'clock. So there's competitive balance, whatnot. So usually two to three weeks out, except for week 17, we find out six days before. And my last question, since you're a CBS guy, one of the greats in this business, Jack Whitaker passed away yesterday, 95 years old. I'm just wondering if you ever had a chance at a CBS function, did you ever meet him? Because I did not have the pleasure, but everything I know about him that people talk about him said he was just a wonderful man. Yeah, rest in peace. Uh, I never got the chance to meet him, but um, Jim Nance is is very close with him or was very close with him. And hearing Jim uh, sometimes talk about him in in, uh, whether it was like a a dinner we were at or or a meeting that we've had – just the way that he spoke about Jack was incredible and could just tell from some of Jim's stories. And and he was in the CBS press release yesterday talking about him as well, just what he meant uh, to CBS, to Jim, um, 
incredible admiration for everything he accomplished and the man and broadcaster he was and 95 years old, but, uh, but still, but still sad to see him go for sure. Andrew, one more for me, which might turn into a couple questions, but I did want to get into the college game a little bit. And, you know, you're a, uh, you work, uh, you're play by play for the NFL. You think that would segue into a coverage of college football, but you went the basketball route. It seems in college, according to your bio here anyway, and what you're telling us. So, I mean, how does that work? Was it your choice that you wanted to cover college basketball or is it just kind of how the assignments were laid out? Well, for, for, so for college football, I started my first couple of years at CBS. I did college football on CBS sports network and then got uh, moved up to the NFL. And and as we talked about before, I grew up a big NFL guy, Um, college football. I would watch it. Um, But, but I was, I would say I was always watching the NFL, but as a kid, college football, I, I didn't, as close attention. I would watch Syracuse for sure. Um, but I was always a big NFL guy. So that, that was always a dream to call the NFL and then college basketball. I mean, that's just what CBS has, right? I mean, they don't have, we don't have the NBA We're a big college basketball network, uh, obviously with the NCAA tournament as well. So it just fit in really well. Um, it, the sports that CBS has that I call football, basketball, golf are, are my favorites. I mean, I, I'm a huge baseball fan, and I've done a little bit of college baseball, but it's really nice to be able to sit at home and watch the Yankees and not think about the graphics or what game right. am I calling. You know, I, I still really appreciate that, and the Devils. Um, you know, I, I can watch the, the Devils and not think about TV. I can just enjoy the game. And so two of my favorite teams, the Yankees and the Devils, I, I still – get great pleasure out of sitting on my couch and watching them play or listening to Matt call it. Um, it's just, that's great because I still can do the football and the basketball that I love and I can still be a fan uh, when I'm not working. Well, now I need to ask, I'm a Rutgers alum. We cover them a lot on our, uh, on our site and on our show. Uh, so do you follow, you follow what Steve Peichel's doing with, uh, with Rutgers basketball? Yeah. I mean, obviously it's such a tough conference to get going in, but, um, he's done from what I've seen and I haven't called any of their games, but from what I've seen is, is really got a great plan in place. And, um, you're, you're seeing the results. You're seeing some big wins here and there. And, and again, a tough conference to get, to get going in, but it seems like they're on the right path. And I give him a lot of credit for that. Cause I know it's not an easy job. Well, I will, uh, and I will finish it off, yeah. uh, Andrew, with basketball since we're talking about basketball. And, and rather than a question, more of an, an invitation, if you will, I have been coaching the boys' eighth grade travel team for the recreation department. This will be my my nineteenth year, believe it or not. Yeah, I wow. started right out of high school, and uh, we play all of our games. Our home games are at Melbourne High School, and I know that you are a busy man during the college hoop season. But if you ever find yourself with a night off and you're looking for another game to call they only last about an hour so you can come on down and we'll have an invitation there's plenty of available seats i'll leave you i'll leave you some at the uh, will call window if you want to sit half court but uh, we'd love to see and we'll get mr healy to come out and we'll have an old home week well first of all sign me up I'm in. So send me your schedule when you get it. And, and second of all, 19 years is really an incredible run so congrats to you that's that's awesome Thank you, thank you. We've had some good, good young men go through. We've sent, uh, we had a player that went and was an All Ivy League at Columbia. We've got a couple guys that have played at Middlebury, which is a, a Division Three 
uh, Titan. And um, so we've had some good success through the years, and uh, I'd really appreciate that. I'll, I'll shoot you our schedule when it's hot off the presses. Perfect. I'm there. Thank you. Well, Andrew, it's a thrill to have you on the show. Uh, we'd love to have you back, but you're going to be getting real busy in a week or so. So, listen, enjoy the uh, rest of your vacation. I don't know how long it is while you're down there at the shore, right? Yeah, visiting my family. Uh, Bills do not have a preseason game this week, uh, so it's nice just to relax and uh, chat with you guys. I really enjoyed it. Thank you again for having me on, and I hope you all three of you enjoy the rest of the summer as well. Fantastic. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Andrew. Be well. You too. Thank you, Andrew. We'll be in touch. All right, guys. Thanks okay. so much. All I enjoyed right. it. Thanks right. for uh, right. sticking with the issue. again for me. No problem, John. Take care. Oh, good luck with your car. <laughs> okay. Take, <laughs> All right. Take care. All right. Thanks. Thanks. And that'll do it for this week's show. Thank you again to Andrew Catalan from CBS. Uh, check out our site, moresportsnow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're back next week. We will have the RU Review back as well. Zebra Pen is back to sponsor a whole season of RU football. We're looking forward to that. So we'll catch you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.